beautiful things, I say it a lot of times, about the Scripture, is that they are words of the Lord that He supplies to us so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, and that includes being covenant parents. And that's good to know. Because it is very tempting to believe that when you have children, and I, I know visiting with my own grandchildren and children of late in this past week and a half or so, I'm reminded of some of that again because there's a real temptation to believe that when your parents, especially when your parents for the first time or your parents as you're young, that you're disadvantaged somehow. Because you say, you know, the baby didn't come with an owner's manual. The baby didn't come with instruction. And I feel like I'm winging it. You can be tempted to say that. But biblically speaking, that's just not so. Because God provides His Word to us so that we can know the way that we ought to raise our children. It's good to know that believing parents are thoroughly equipped for every good work through the Word. And not just when the baby's born, or when our children are disobedient, or when they're rebellious, or when they stray from the faith, or when they give covenant parents a hard time. Yet even then, we can be encouraged by Scripture that the Lord does not leave us without provision as covenant parents. And we can see that in this passage this morning. And it should be a reminder, not just to parents, but to all believers in the Gospel, about how God provides graciously as the one who didn't spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, and won't He also along with Him graciously give us all things? If He provides in that most remarkable and superior way, so will He also provide for us in these other ways. And that's how the covenant God operates. That's why you can hear a song played in prelude, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And He certainly provides for covenant parents to their consolation, to their edification, to their, to their encouragement. So they don't have to despair and throw up their hands and say, well, how would the Lord have me raise my children that have been given to me by the Lord? So we, we take a moment to look at this uh, encouragement this morning from this passage because God provides for covenant parents and He does so by supplying in His grace a divine authority, divine counsel, and divine promises. We look first of all at divine authority. God says in our text that He has chosen the father of all believers, Abraham, who's in covenant with the gracious God, so that He might command His children. God gives to believing parents the gift of authority. And we can say a number of things about that authority. Five things I wanted to mention in this point. The first thing, because the authority of covenant parents comes from the Lord, 
it stands to reason that whatever authority that we have, it is not self-supplied and it is not self-ordained. It is not self-supplied, it is not self-ordained. Parents don't have authority just because they're stronger or more agile or smarter or older or because they have two parents against one child. Nor do parents have authority because they are a law unto themselves and can make up the rules. That they're above the law. Or that they're somehow self-authorized because there's no other higher authority than they. Parents' authority is derived from on high. Now, if it was only a matter of stature or strength, what would happen when the child grows bigger and stronger than the parent? When we consider authority nothing more than strength or self-ordination, that's when we get in trouble because that's when authority is abused or neglected. You ever tempted to be like that? You ever act like that? We're not lost to ourselves. And we're not to throw our weight around just because we have to be bigger than our kids. And we shouldn't be afraid to be authorities, on the other hand, because our children get bigger than we are. But because authority does come from above, and this is the second thing I want to mention, it is that it is not to be belittled, it is not to be ridiculed, and it is not to be minimized. And that speaks to boys and girls and the young people here. You need to listen to your parents and the Lord. Because God placed you, uh, placed your parents in charge of you during your childhood. God did that. When you see your parents, you better see God behind them. And when you mock your parents or disrespect your parents or grumble about your parents or disobey your parents, you're not only failing to honor them, you're failing to honor God. And that should make you shudder a little bit. Another matter, the third thing to keep in mind is that since authority comes from above, we as parents, in fact, any in authority need to see this endowment from God as a lofty trust given by the Lord. It's a lofty, sacred trust. God has not only entrusted us with our children. God has entrusted us with His authority to guide and nurture our children. And when we keep that in mind, we will not be so quick to abdicate that authority, to toss that to somebody else, to abuse that authority, and to delegate that authority to just anybody who puts the name daycare up on their wall. Because there is authority that's given from on high, it needs to be exercised. That's another point. That's number four. Because there's authority that's given from on high, it needs to be exercised. God has called us to command. Not to suggest, not to propose, and not to take a vote. In one sense, the covenant household is not a democracy. 
And that doesn't mean that parents can't take suggestions about what we should eat tonight or whether or not we're going to be eating in the dining room or not or about where we're going to go on vacation. But children are not in charge. Their parents are. Because parents, not the children, have been given authority from on high. And fifthly, because authority is from on high, it's a gracious gift that's given to those in a gracious bond with God. It's a gracious gift that's given to those in a gracious bond with God. And we bring that to bear because we need to be thankful that there's authority. We live in a world that bucks at it. But without authority, life would be chaotic. And we see that in our society. But we should learn lessons from it for our own sake. Because we look out there and we say, look how people don't listen to authority and what a chaos it brings. Look what it's doing to our city. But we need to think the same way ourselves. We need to be thankful for authority because otherwise where we are, life becomes chaotic. And it would be chaotic, not just about matters of right and wrong, but also matters that may seem gray to us. Because God gives authority among other reasons to keep the peace when it's honored. You know, some schools have a uniform code, right? And some, some people think that's silly. And other people think, well, that promotes parity. We're all the same that way. Well, what's one of the reasons why schools do that? What is it? One of the reasons that schools have that kind of a code is because when they're in that place of judgment called on dress code, parents and children don't like them when they make those judgment calls. Parents and children get mad. They don't submit to the judgment. They don't like it. They get angry. And they should not. They should not. What they should do is they should respect the authority who has to make judgment calls sometimes. And respect it. For the sake of peace, among other things. But people naturally want their way. Well, if everybody went their own way, then it'd be chaos. Coaches make decisions that we might not like as parents or as players. I can remember watching my kids play, and, you know, if, if my kid was playing all the time, it's like, wow, that's a great coach. But what about if my kids sit in the bench? What's wrong with that coach? Doesn't he see the fantastic talent that my son is? I don't like him. the decisions they make aren't necessarily wrong ones just because we don't like it. What we need to do, as the Scriptures would tell us as well, 
We need to make their jobs easier by honoring those with that authority. Because somebody has to make a decision. Somebody has to sit. And we need to live at peace with those decisions that are not immoral. They don't have anything against your child. Get over it. And that's true in the house as well. Parents have to make a decision that we may not always like. You're being told that you've got to be in by 11. I've used that example a hundred times. And you need to be in at 11. And all your friends come in at 11.30. And you say to your mom, where does it say that I have to be in at 11 o'clock in the Bible? It doesn't. But it says, honor your father and your mother. And it'll go well with you. So do it. We may not like it, but we've got to believe in the long-run promise of God that it will go well with us if we listen, if we submit like Christ did. And that's because that authority has been given to our parents from on high as a gracious gift to us as children. And we have to see it that way. But thankfully God doesn't just provide raw authority. He provides divine counsel. That's our second point. In our passage we see how God doesn't leave those whom He loves without revelation and counsel. God revealed to Abraham His gracious promise on the one hand to bring a son into his life, ultimately for the sake of Jesus Christ. And He also lets them know, doesn't He, about the judgment that's coming to Sodom and Gomorrah. And He provides His Word, and in so doing, He provides His counsel, and He reveals Himself as merciful and just so that Abraham can be merciful and just. He reveals himself to act mightily in both ways, doing what would be impossible with men. And it's a time in which Abraham can see from the revelation from God what the difference is between right and wrong. So that when he hears of the way of the Lord and the call to do what is right and just, he can know what that looks like. As somebody who is also called exercises authority according to God's word in right and wrong, in mercy and justice. When Abraham is counseled to tell his children to keep the way of the Lord, it presumes that this is what Abraham, as a covenant parent, a believing parent, holds dear himself in faith. To keep the way of the Lord, as is mentioned here, is to trust his path to follow that path. So he's not just following him as sovereign, he is, but also as the God, covenant God who's full of grace and truth. He follows him because he's Lord, but he's also Savior, because he's in charge, but he's also been merciful. You can imagine if you were driving down the, the interstate or one of the blacktops or, you, or children, you're riding your, your, your bike home. And, and you want to know 
that the road, now what you're going, is, is the one that you can trust to get you home. And if you're following somebody else down that path, your bigger brother or sister or your mom or dad, you're presuming that in following down that path, you're choosing the right person to follow as you go. Well, that right person and path is what we're commanded to teach others, isn't it? Only believing parents can provide the right counsel that way. Believing parents. Believing parents who are all in. Here's the God I trust in Jesus Christ to save me. And here's the God that I also follow. As I seek to follow His example, going down the pathway that He's marked out in righteousness, holiness, faithfulness, and grace. Children, this is the God that I trust. Never let me down. That's why I play great is thy faithfulness. He's the God that I follow. If He loves, I love. If He gives, I give. If He forgives, I forgive. If He's dependable, then I want to be that way too. I want people to be able to count on me. I want you to be able to count on me. In all His ways, I want to acknowledge Him because He'll make my path straight that way. And that's not just a good idea or a good suggestion. Or I throw that out to you among other options for you. No, it is the only way that you should go. It is the way. It's the only way that you should trust. It's the only way worth taking. Because every other way will steer you wrong. You need to keep that way. You know, it's like, you know, we need to teach our children that our Reformed heritage is worth keeping. And we'll do that if it's worth keeping to us. Our children might be tempted to believe our, our Reformed heritage is old and outdated and useless, and yet we're called to keep the way of the Lord in righteousness and justice. If that heritage is valuable to us, we will make that clear that it should be to our children as well. And if we do not do that, if it's not that important to us, it will not be important to our kids. And before you know it, they won't be in church anymore. And don't be surprised if it happens. If that heritage is valuable to us. It'll be something we make clear to our kids. They won't have to guess that it's important to us. Hold to the Christian faith and God's saving grace in Christ. And let's live it out as reflections of the covenant grace, God of grace and dependability. Let's live according to God's counsel as family members, as those who care about what's right, about being people of integrity and people on whom people can depend. Especially our kids. Real quickly, God also provides a divine promise. Abraham had yet to see the son of promise, the son of grace. And yet his would be a great and mighty nation, we read to behold. All the nations of the earth would be blessed in him, ultimately through Jesus Christ. Indeed, the holy nation that would come from him would be the church of Jesus Christ, comprised of all nations, Jews and Gentiles, because God plays no favorites. 
It doesn't care whether you're Dutch or you're Spanish or you are from Africa or whether you're from Asia. He plays no favorites. At that time, the holy line that would lead to Christ according to the promise of God needed to be maintained. And if that line would be obliterated by unbelief and sin, then where would the promise be? And yet God would never let that promise obliterate. And that should be an encouragement to covenant parents. Whether it's Abraham or you, For the sake of God's promise, the line remained to Christ, no matter how small that line got to be over time. But for the sake of the promise to come, for the sake of Jesus Christ, you see, as the passage says, parents are supposed to train their children for the sake of that promise, for the sake of Jesus Christ, the promise of salvation, the promise of blessing, of grace, which is so different than the destruction and curse epitomized by Sodom and Gomorrah. These two are to carry out parental training with the goal and promise of Christ in mind, fearful of Sodom and Gomorrah. Fearful of that for our children. And not just our children, but then the posterity that follows. Because what we do today has an impact not only on our kids, but who knows how many generations to follow. You hear that the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off, to all those who God would call unto Himself in Christ. If we're raising our children then, carrying out our authority, training them in the Lord's ways, we need to do so not just by the authority that God gives or the counsel that He gives, but for the sake of all the promises that God gives in Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't mean you know that. That doesn't mean that all our children are going to be saved in the end. There isn't any kind of promise like that. But to all those who in faith will follow the way of, Lord, of the Lord as taught by their parents, the promise of salvation is there. And that's why parenting in the ways of the Lord is not an empty exercise. That's why God gives authority to covenant parents and the counsel that He provides as well. This is also why children, young people, young adults, you need to follow the ways of the Lord that your parents have taught you or should have taught you. For the sake of what God promises and for the sake of what Jesus Christ provides as an eternal blessing to the nations of the world as the true son of Abraham. God provides life, God saves, God in His grace provides the impossible, what only He can, and God promises it to those who trust His gracious covenant path to be a good one to believe, but also a good one to follow in faith, so that we might be provided with all God's promises in Christ for this life and the life to come, including what we need if we become covenant parents. We are not shortchanged by God in any fashion when we think that He thoroughly equips us for every good work. He certainly provides for covenant parents. He gives you the authority to raise your children. He gives you the counsel to raise your children. 
promise for your children. It comes to all those who listen to their parents' call, keep the way of the Lord. Trusting the gracious God who alone can give us life in Jesus Christ because nothing is impossible for Him. Thank God for His gracious provision in Christ. Thank God for providing for every good work. And certainly the parents who believe that God has provided all they need parents through Jesus Christ, their Savior. Amen. Let's take a moment.